And one of his favorite methods, one of the interesting things about interesting things about the book of Proverbs is that you don't only really hear about wisdom, but the narrative voice actually switches at times and you hear from wisdom. Solomon gives wisdom itself a voice. Commonly referred to as the lady wisdom. And in chapter 8, lady wisdom begins to tell us about her value. She begins to tell us I, wisdom, dwell with prudence, and I find knowledge and discretion. Riches and honor are with me, enduring wealth and righteousness. My fruit is better than gold. Saying that good things come to those who have them. And then, Lady Wisdom tells us something very curious. To follow along in Proverbs 8, starting in verse 22. Remember, this is wisdom himself speaking to you. It says, The Lord possessed me at the beginning of his work, the first of his acts of old. Ages ago I was set up at the first, before the beginning of the earth, when there were no depths I was brought forth, and there were no springs abounding with water. Before the mountains had been shaped, before the hills I was brought forth, before he had made the earth with its fields, for the first of the dust of the world. When he established the heavens, I was there. And he drew a circle on the face of the deep, and he made firm the skies above. And he established the fountains of the deep. And he assigned to the sea its limit, so that the waters might not transgress his command. And he marked out the foundations of the earth. Then I was beside him, like a master workman. I was daily in his delight, rejoicing before him always, rejoicing in his inhabited world, and delighting in the children of me. Here's what she's saying. I, wisdom, was actually present. Not only present, but I had a role in creation. When God was forming the world, He used me to make the world such as it was to get. When God was creating the wonders of the human body, He was using wisdom to do it. And this is the message. She says, And now, O sons, after all that, after she's saying, I was there at creation, I helped God do this. That's how important I am. She says, and now, O sons, listen to me. Blessed are those who keep my ways. And this is the message. Just as God used wisdom to build the world, you can use wisdom to build life. Just as he used it to shape the formless void into the mountains, you can use it to shape your life into something beautiful. Just as he used it to still the chaotic sea, to assign it its limits, you can use it to shape reshape the sinful, out-of-control parts of your life and turn it into something good. Just as God used wisdom to establish the heavens, you can use it to establish the temporary lodgings on this side of the creation as a place of holiness. Wisdom is a God-given gift that will enable you to build a home, to stay the course of the long road of life, to hold on to the truth and not be deceived. It's to avoid disaster and to find joy. Proverbs is not merely a book of pithy sayings. It's a book about wisdom, and wisdom is life and death. So how do we get it? Part two, I told you this would be quick. The way of wisdom, the way of wisdom, vertical humility. Along my path in life, there have been so many people who have helped me, so many people who have encouraged me, who have been sources of direction, and sources of health and times of trouble, sources of wisdom. But as 
I look back, there are two people, a handful of men that I can say changed my life better than anyone else. And I had three a.m. phone calls with them when I had no idea how to deal with what I was facing. I had long conversations with them when I was facing agonizing decisions and didn't know what to do. And I always knew that I could thank them if I had to say. I always knew that I could trust their wisdom if they would listen to me and if what they told me and what they shouldn't. I always felt like if I could follow them, or I could follow them, and if I could be half as wise as them, I'd be in good shape. And there's one thing that they all have in common. And it's the one thing that Solomon says in chapter 9 that I believe is one of the most critical and life-changing concepts presented in all of Scripture. If I had to pick three things from all of the Bible and say, here's the three things you really need to know. If you remember anything, remember this. Here's my list. Number one, God is holy. Number two, Christ died for sinners. And number three, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. The knowledge of the holy being is inside. And now Solomon stops allowing wisdom to speak directly to us, but he gets to the heart of the matter. He's telling us what's really at stake here, what's really going on. And here's what he's telling us. The most intelligent the most educated or the most even experienced people are not necessarily the most wise people that we know. And that's because wisdom is more than a list of correct answers. Wisdom is more than knowledge. True wisdom is a posture. True wisdom begins with an orientation towards God that says, You are God, and I am not. True wisdom begins with an orientation towards God that says, it says, you are God, and I am you. It's the fear of the Lord. And I want to talk about what we mean when we say the fear of the Lord. Jack mentioned one element of this earlier when he said we no longer have to fear God as judge. And that's a big part of it. As believers, we don't have to fear that God is going to put us on the scale and say, mm, bad egg, and we disappear. That's not going to happen someday because of what Christ has done. So we don't have to fear God as judge. We don't also have to fear that he is not for us or that, not, or that he wants to hurt us. That's not what the fear of the Lord means. I remember one time I was hiking on the way up towards Pierce and it was a Saturday so there were a lot of people on the trail and I remember seeing ahead of me, for some reason everybody was taking a really wide berth around this one spot in the trail and the next thing we were this is kind of strange. And then we got about 20 feet away and I heard the rattle and I knew... <laughs> I've never, I've never heard a rattlesnake in the wild before. It's crazy. It's just that instant before I could even process what I was feeling. I'm like, oh, that's not good. I think I'll get away from that. That's dangerous. And that's another kind of fear that is not that this is like. The fear of the Lord is not like rattlesnake fear. You have to be afraid that if you get God is so holy that if you get too close to Him, He's going to bite you. And you have to shrink away from Him because He's so small and He's so great. That's not it either. The fear of the Lord is the realization that God truly is awesome and powerful. And that He only exists because He wants you to. It's the realization that He really is alive. He really knows your every thought. And that you are living before Him right now. And He's not going to attract you with. It's His world and He cares about all of it. He cares about you just to make you. He cares about every single word that escapes your mouth. He cares about every single thing that you do. He cares about the way you treat your kids. He cares about the things you say on the internet. He cares about every single part of your life. And He is our 
judge. He will not finally sentence us to death because of what Christ has done. He will answer for all that we have done. God is holy and he sees all. And what we're really talking about here when we talk about the fear of the Lord is humility. It's not the usual horizontal humility that we hear a lot about. Horizontal humility being the way that you treat everyone around you. Seeing others is better than yourself, not responding with pride, etc. And obviously those things are super important. God cares about the way that we treat one another. If we call that horizontal humility, the fear of the Lord is vertical humility. Vertical humility. It's humility before God. It's the opposite of pride. To fear the Lord is to regard Him as all that He is. To locate yourself in the juxtaposition of creator and creation. In other words, to remember he made you. He's the creator. You're the creation. He's the potter. You're the clay. To quote one songwriter, you are not your own idea. You're not your own idea. You're his idea, so is everything else. The earth is the Lord's and the So the fear of the Lord is not to begrudgingly acknowledge that yes, God is all powerful, yes, He made me, yes, He's in charge of me. I don't really like it. That's not what we're after here either. The fear of the Lord is to embrace that though there is an end to your knowledge, there is no end to His. And though there is an end to your goodness, there is no end to His. The fear of the Lord is an orientation that says, You're God and I'm not. And it's an orientation that delights in God being God. The delight in God being God. To fear the Lord requires more humility than simply having correct thoughts about God's nature. Humans like this. Humans know what God's like. And they're terrified of Him. We don't have to be terrified of Him. To fear the Lord is to gladly embrace the perfection, the holiness, and the justice of God. We can do that because through Christ, God is no longer angry with you. He's for you. He's not against you. God is more for you than you are for your children, for your friends. Don't do anything for them. He did the unthinkable for you. He's not Thanos or Thor or Yahweh. He's the God who leaves the 99 to save the one. He's not just the God who's there. He's also the God who cares. He's the God who loves you. God has died for us. To fear the Lord means not only do you regard Him as He truly is, but also you trust that He has your good in mind. He's not just an all-powerful being out there who feels like being capricious and grouchy today and needs to give you a hard time. That's not what God is like. And to fear the Lord is to take all these things and put them together, to not shrink at all from His majesty, His power, His awesomeness. It's not get cold about it and to turn it into some thing where God is just out there doing whatever He pleases and doesn't care about you. That's not true either. But to fear the Lord is to bring them both together and to believe the truth about Him. When you start there with a good and holy God as the ultimate maker, owner, and standard, standard of all things, then and only then can you begin to be wise. The world is full of people who think that they're wise. Most of us in here probably think that they're wise. 
They probably don't think what you think because you think you're wrong. They all hold our opinions on purpose because we believe what we believe to be true. And Solomon knew that's not enough. It's not enough to have knowledge. It's not enough to pay attention to the world around you and to observe the way that the world works. It's not enough to listen to others and to be informed. It's not enough to pay attention. Although that's good. None of those things are enough to truly make you wise. You may think that you're wise, but true wisdom only belongs to people who fear the Lord. Because like I said, wisdom is not simply a collection of things that you think that are correct. Wisdom is a posture. When you wake up in the morning, there is a posture that you have toward God. You think about Him a certain way, you approach Him in a certain way, and that posture, the way that you think about Him, changes everything about you. It changes every single thing about your life. If you don't fear God, your life will eventually be a mess. There's no way to do it. It may take a while, but your life will be a mess if you don't fear the Lord. Even if you know Him, you read in the New Testament that they people knew God, but did not honor Him. You have to honor God. You have to look at this. There's a spectrum to it. I know that many of you do feel the Lord. Many of you are believers. But as soon as you don't, maybe you need to start for the very first time. You need to come to Him and submit yourself to Him. For the rest of us, for me, it's going to get rusty. I, I find myself doing things that don't reflect the fear of the Lord all the time. It's because you have to work out your salvation in eternity. It's an active pursuit. You have to go at this. And the result of going at it, the result of true wisdom of humbling yourself before God, is true salvation. The wisdom in Proverbs part 3 is all about human salvation. It's about helping us live the way that we were meant to live, according to the righteousness of God. It gives us a way of life or a rhythm that we can step into, a holy rhythm, a holy cadence to your life that you can be a part of. When I think about human flourishing, I think about examples in nature of flourishing. I think about a flock of birds moving seamlessly in perfect unison on the way to wherever they're going. They're going. Think about a river coming along slowly down the mountain, staying inside where it ought to be. To step outside of the righteous way of life, to ignore God's wisdom, to fear yourself more than you fear God, is it something like trying to flash and splash your way up a bit? You're trying to go against the grain. You're trying to swim outside of God's design, and it just doesn't work. It never works. It may seem to you for a while, you can get away with things for a while, but ultimately it's a misery. And that's because God didn't just pop us down here on earth and say, okay, have at it, you guys figure out what you should do, what's the best way for you to live. He actually tells us. He actually gives us really specific directions about what's inbound and what's out of bounds oftentimes. Uh, the wisdom of God is what he gives us to help us navigate in difficult situations, help us to figure out what we should do when there's nothing that tells us directly what to do. If God, if God tells you, hey, don't do this, He also gives us, uh, he does do that, he gives us lots of commands. And it is a great aside. Uh, you can think of the commands of God as you read through Proverbs and they say, man, God is telling me to do a lot of stuff. 
He's telling me not to do a lot of stuff, and you can start to think of him as sort of a shiny box to around. You can think of the commands of God as fences. And you would never put fences around the garden because you want to just to hide it from the rest of the world. You put fences around the garden because Peter Rabbit's out there, and he wants to come in and eat all your stuff and ruin all your hard work. He wants to come in and destroy everything that you made. God puts fences around good things, not to keep you from what's out there, but to keep what's out there from coming in here and ruining your life. The wisdom of God is beyond ours. His commandments are good. The fear of the Lord is hatred of evil. I would say to you that if you really feel like I have lived my entire life without the fear of the Lord, then it's not too late. It's not too late for you. This is not something you have to develop when you're a kid. And then if you don't have it now, then you can't begin to fear the Lord. You can do it right now. It's, just, it's, a, it's a change in posture in your heart. It's about acknowledging what God is like and submitting yourself to Him. I really feel like this is, like I said earlier, one of the most important parts of Scripture, one of the most relevant and applicable um, pieces of the Scriptures to all of our lives. I don't think we could think of a single thing, a single thing that you do or say, and you say the fear of the Lord doesn't affect this. Because it just changes you. It changes the way you feel about what's happening around you. It changes the way you feel about yourself and the way you evaluate yourself. As Aaron mentioned earlier, we are living in a chaotic time. I don't know about you, but one of the hardest things about being alive right now is to share avalanche of things that is to sort through, to think through, to try to be wise. God gives us wisdom to deal with that. He gives us wisdom to know how to think through things that aren't easy, so there's no manual, that, and there's nothing written in the manual about how to handle it. The only way to make, make it through those things well is to pray and to ask God for wisdom to command us to do. So wisdom controls the way we interact with what's happening around us. Wisdom controls the way we view ourselves. The fear of the Lord dictates that. It's possible to go on to a long way in your life, having begun with some to see what happens not to be true, and building a part of your life on that, and to end up crooked. The fear of the Lord is like a level. If you ever use the level to hang a picture in this and what frustrating things you can ever possibly do, try to hang a picture, or to do something actually hard like fill the house, you need a simple tool like a level. You need something to tell you what is crooked and what is straight. The fear of the Lord is something that will allow you to take a level, to take an objective standard for what's actually okay and what's not, for what's going to be bad for you and what's going to be good for you, for how to love your people around you well, and to hold it up to your own life and to look and say, is there anything that's out of order? Is there any wicked way in me that needs to change? Is there anything that's crooked that needs to be straight? I think it has great applications for the church right now in the way that we interact with each other. I don't know if you've ever noticed this, but if you go to a house where there are a lot of kids, and it's a house where the father is not respected, one of the things that you just see happen is that the kids will tear each other down. Kids will rip each other to shreds, they'll be mean to each other, they'll take each other's stuff, they'll basically do whatever they want. Because in this microcosm of this large thing that we're talking about in the home, the father's not respected, the father's not feared to a certain degree. Not a one-to-one comparison with God. If the father is not respected, children will 
before the future. In God's house, where the Lord is to be, Lord is to be seen, we don't do that to each other. We don't rip each other to shreds on the internet. We don't tear our leaders down. We don't assume that we know better than everybody else. We band together. We love one another. To live in such a way that you feel like you can be cruel and not love your fellow brothers and sisters in Christ, honestly, it's probably a warning sign that this is something you need to look at. You need to look at whether or not you truly fear God. Is what God thinks about the way you talk to other people more important than what you think? When you get to decide what is important, you get to decide what's okay to say to another person made in the image of God or to God. Part of the chaos of the time that we're living in is that people are not kind to each other, are not gracious to each other, assume the worst of each other, but basically do the exact opposite of what we should be doing, and so much of what happens online. It also happens when we're talking about other people. I guarantee you that in this room, there are probably, there's probably more than one opinion about masks. There's one of them. There's probably more than one opinion about a president. There's probably more than one opinion about all kinds of super controversial stuff. And what the world does is line up on other sides of the battle line and start shooting. Start shooting, and it's a hallmark of the life lived without the fear of the Lord. Because in here, when your father's house, you don't do that kind of thing. Your father walks into the room, a good father walks into the room, straighten up a little bit. You don't push your brother, you don't tear down your sister, you don't tell them they're stupid because they disagree with you. You probably will think twice about those things. There's a concept known, known as Torn Deo, which is a, it's a word before the face of God. In as much as it is possible, to live your life as if He's right there. To live your life as if Jesus is on your Facebook feed. To live your life as if everything that you do is known by Him, and you may have a conversation with you about it someday, which is true. This year has been really hard, and it's an opportunity for all of us to show the world that we love each other, for them to know us by that, to know us by that we love one another, to demonstrate that we've actually been changed, and that we have a Father. They can have Him too. We have a Father, we don't just do whatever we want. We respect Him, we fool Him, and He changes everything about us. The ultimate wisdom of God that is thought of to be followed is that Christ reveals Himself for us. Our Father sent His Son to die for us. That's how much He loved us. And the proper response to that, along with everything that we know about Him, is to fear Him. It's to honor Him. It's to know Him. It's to live for Him. And here's the thing. When you live your life with the fear of the Lord in mind, you don't just stay away from bad things. You also find good things. Really good things Rewards come at the end of fearing the Lord. 
There's some trouble you can get in in life that's not your fault. You can call it good trouble. Things that you run into that you just have to deal with. It wasn't your fault that your tire popped or something actually serious happened or someone was making your life difficult. There are things like that. But there's all these things that you can avoid, all these bad things that you can avoid with wisdom. And when you do that, your life is a lot better. There's a reason that Proverbs speaks so highly of wisdom. It says that riches and honor, glory comes from Wisdom is better than gold, even fine gold. You change your life and give you great things. Wisdom is a true gift from the Lord that can shape everything about us. She shape the way the church behaves. She shape what we work for. She shape us. She's in Proverbs. God is looking at us and saying, Listen to me. Listen to me. I'm your father. I love you. I know the road before you. I know how many snares there are. And I know the honor and the glory of your life will dwell to the end. You can have it too. I pray for you this morning that you feel the glory Father, we're so thankful for the gift of wisdom. We're so thankful for the fact that we don't have to stumble around in the dark. We're so thankful that we can be your children. That we are your children. And we don't have to be terrified of you. We just need to put us looking and be the grace as your children because of what Christ has done. I pray that you need your word. Help us to be people who display your glory to love you and to love one another. Praise the Jesus name.